Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week, we bring you the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. Today, we're going to be talking about how to produce solutions journalism for local TV news. Joining me on Zoom is Josh Hinkle, Director of Investigations and Innovation at KXAN, a TV station based in Texas in the US and owned by the country's largest local TV company, Nexstar. He's going to be talking to me about their solutions journalism video series, Pandemic Pass or Fail, launched earlier this month. It's a company-wide effort which his station is spearheading, and in each round of the project, stations across different states receive training from the Solutions Journalism Network and produce stories around this theme of education inequality during the pandemic. And if you want to check out some of those videos, head over to Vimeo and search for Pandemic Pass or Fail. Yet, when we think about solutions journalism, we often think of long-form written pieces. So how does that style translate to a medium known for short and sweet one or two minute bulletins? Josh has lots of advice on this coming up. One of the joys, of course, when working from home is fluctuating audio quality. So apologies ahead of time for some of those drops that you'll hear today. But as they say, content is king and we've got a great interview for you in store. Before we jump into that, though, here's something to put into your diary. As well as great editorial content, journalism.co.uk provides media training for journalists, editors and other media professionals. On the 2nd of November 2020, we are running an online course on how to become a successful freelance journalist. That's led by Lily Cantor and Emma Wilkinson, two experienced freelance journalists and the co-authors and co-hosts of the Freelancing for Journalists book and podcast. For this course and all the other great courses we run, head over to journalism.co.uk forward slash courses. Josh, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. What's the uh, working situation like for you at the moment? (laughs) I'm working from home like most of my team. We do some things out in the field where, you know, we're still social distancing and wearing masks and everything. But for the most part, we're all doing the virtual thing from home. Mm. And very busy by the looks of things. Uh, We're here, of course, to talk about the pandemic parcel fail uh, video series that um, you've embarked on uh, at Nextstar Media Group, which is like this interstation uh, solutions journalism effort, which of course encompasses uh, KXAN, uh, where you work. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about that video series? Josh, tell me a little bit more about the background and, and why that was a series that, that has been launched and the thinking behind it. Sure. So it all stems from our work with the Solutions Journalism Network, which is a national nonprofit that works you know, worldwide with um, outlets that are looking to dive into solutions journalism. And we started working with the group um, back in 2019 on a different project. And as we moved forward with the success of that project, we had talked about maybe we could build this out to something bigger and involve the rest of um, our company. Um, Nextar is the largest TV company in the United States. And uh, we have a lot of stations, I think like 115 now, um, that you know have a lot of really great journalists at them. And so if there was a collaborative effort that we could really leverage the power of um, you know, all of those stations or many of those stations, then that would be really cool. But we didn't have a topic yet. Then the pandemic hit. And so I started talking with the Solutions Journalism Network about we would love to do some solutions journalism efforts around something related to the pandemic, but it 
is so tough to get in front of it and everything is changing so quickly on a daily basis that it's hard to look down the line. And so we thought if we could identify an aspect of the pandemic and what it ended up being was education equity and how some students are disproportionately impacted by the coronavirus, um, we could get with several stations that are interested in Nexstar to create a company-wide project that all of these stations could utilize the content if they wanted to and contribute to it as well. Um, so that's really what kind of launched it and it really took on a life of its own after that. It, I mean, it took a couple of months to get it up and running, but it's been rolling out and been pretty successful so far. And it was this month it launched, correct? Yes, it just launched um, officially last week. We had seven stations that were involved in the first round of stories. They created, uh, I believe, 18 stories, and we had five different uh, live engagement events, and that was the first launch week, and right now we're working on the round two, which will come out in October. So in terms of like the collaborative aspect of it, the stories that you produce at KXAN, what happens to those? Who can use them? How does it work? Yeah, so with this specific topic, um, education equity and the pandemic, it's a topic and a problem that most of our communities are experiencing to some degree. So the idea of solutions journalism is to understand that this problem is happening somewhere else. Who is, uh, you know, looking at a solution for that? Who's doing it better? And so what we wanted to do was look at those solutions in our individual communities and then share those solution stories with the rest of the stations in our company to let them know what is happening to battle that same problem in their communities that we're seeing in our community. So any station can use the stories, um, on air or on our digital platforms. What we've done, um, because we want it to not feel like it's content that's being you know, forced on any station, is we've really worked to tailor each uh, digital site to make it feel like it's local and important to uh, each community's viewers. So um, you know, while KXAN might have its own URL for this project, each station in Nexstar has its own separate URL to make it uh, feel like this is something that is created for our viewers here at home and they can kind of rearrange things on the site that they want to. They can also air any of the stories and we have, um, you know, customized all of the, uh, the anchor intros to let the viewers understand like what's different about solutions journalism, why are you seeing a story from another market in, in this market right now, why is it important, why does it make sense. And, you know, KXAN has, um, you know, I think at this point probably produced about half of the stories and then other stations have produced other parts of the project as well. Um, but KXAN has kind of spearheaded uh, creating the marketing campaign for it and the social media campaign for it and, of course, designing the digital products as well. So we're trying to make it as easy as possible on these other stations so they can utilize the content. That's super interesting. So something that you might report on in Texas that's happening could be relevant to another station in a different state completely in the US, whether that's, I don't know, you're going to test all my US states right now. It might be Florida or Oklahoma or wherever it is, right? It could be relevant to them. Right. Yeah. I mean, 
virtual learning is something that most school districts in America are having to do right now. So there are certain students that are falling through the cracks with that. And we know that that's a problem that's happening in many uh, communities. So there have been places in Austin groups that have been working to uh, make sure that those students learning continues and what we're learning here in Austin, we're able to share with the rest of the next star stations. And um, it's probably something that they are thinking at this point, like our viewers will be interested in this because it's also happening here. And maybe this will spark an idea about how to solve that problem here. That's so interesting. I know it's early days in the project, but are you starting to see the dividends come out of that collaborative aspect and being able to then have the resources in place to compare, which is obviously such an integral part of solutions journalism. Yeah, I mean, it's been, um, you know, I guess about a week and a half since we launched and we've gotten a lot of feedback from the stations and from viewers all around the country. We're getting you know, story ideas that are coming in about other solutions that might be ones to tackle. We have more stations that want to get involved with it. Um, the engagement activities have been very successful as far as having a nationwide conversation on some of these aspects. Really interesting to see the comments that are coming in during those events, being able to um, answer questions, you know, coast to coast. That's, um, that's fascinating and such an interesting model. Of course, this isn't your first rodeo with solutions journalism though at kxan you know you've had lots of past projects as well how has that kind of shaped how you've gone into this one we started back in 2019 with the solutions journalism network and we launched a project that all of the stations in texas we have 15 next star stations in texas utilized the kxan produced all the content for that and we called it save our students and it was based all around student safety and mental health and it was really successful. I mean, we had large numbers of engagement. We did we did things a lot differently, obviously, because now everything's virtual. But um, it was fun to you know have those town halls and um, different engagement events out in the community. Um, very successful. Out of that, we took a lot of what we learned about solutions journalism and began applying it into other projects. Maybe it wasn't just a solely uh, solutions journalism project, but we could apply aspects of it to it. Uh, we did one series called Locked in Limbo. It was all about mental competency for inmates in Texas jails. And um, we explored some solutions that were being tried um, to combat that problem there as well. And so um, it's been something that we've gotten really familiar with and have really enjoyed being able to tell stories in a different way. Um, and it's neat to see that it's spilling out to the rest of the company now. It, it strikes me that you're passionate about solutions journalism. It's a basic question, but why? I'm an investigative journalist by profession, and we deal with a lot of serious, hard topics. Um, I think when people initially hear about solutions journalism, they think this is fluffy. This is just happy journalism, and it's it's not anything that's taking, you know, a critical analysis of anything. But what I like about solutions journalism is that it's exactly that. You're moving beyond investigating the problem and instead investigating the solution to maybe spark a conversation that will make your community better. Um, and it doesn't have to be fluffy journalism at all. Um, honestly, and I hear this from a lot of journalists that are kind of beaten down to, you know, only covering those those scary stories, those serious stories, that this is a 
an optimistic way to look at journalism and that it's reinvigorating for you as a professional. And that's what I feel as well. When we, when we talk about solutions journalism, we do talk about sort of the, the torrent of negativity and, and solutions journalism being a counter to that. You know, is that what you were seeing with like US local TV news, like or perhaps feeling that there was a negativity there and the solutions journalism could counter that in some way? I think a lot of times it does feel negative, but more often it's just, it's not as complete a picture as what solutions journalism allows it to be. You know, solutions journalism is often termed as the whole story. So, you know, we're moving beyond just telling you about the problem and that this bad thing is happening and someone needs to do something about it to instead saying, yes, this problem is happening and it's horrible, but there is something being done about it. And here's how one group is tackling that. And it's uplifting, but not to the point where it's just, you know, highlighting a feature and saying, we're done with it and that worked and let's move on. Um, we're really taking a critical look at that to see what are the limitations of that solution and why is it working and how are they really measuring that and could this work in our community? So what kind of things have you been able to dig into through solutions journalism in your coverage of uh, education inequality then? Here in the Austin area, we have looked at, uh, there was a problem when many schools closed down in the spring and students went to start learning at home virtually that school districts lost track of thousands of students throughout the state. Um, and so those kids were, you know, no one was there supervising them to make sure that they were sitting down in front of the computer and doing the virtual learning and doing their homework and things like that. So we've looked at solutions that are surrounding that, um, some creative ways that school districts have been looking to track down some of those students that were harder to track down, whether that was because of a language barrier or because their parents, you know, needed to work and couldn't be there to supervise them during that time. So that's been really interesting to see. And that's a problem that, you know, many states are, are dealing with. So um, we've also dealt with internet connectivity in rural areas. Um, it has become apparent, you know, Texas has more school districts in rural areas than any other state in America. So a lot of students didn't have high-speed internet in their homes. So we've been looking at ways that some districts in our area have been trying to combat that, whether it was through hotspots or building um, internet towers that would provide Wi-Fi for families, that kind of thing. Uh, a possible increase in in-home daycare, because that's often where the um, earliest education comes in a child's uh, learning. And what we were finding was when the pandemic happened and many daycares that were larger operations were having to shut down because of risk factors and such, these in-home daycares, which are, you know, often smaller groups and possibly less risky, they started seeing kind of a surge and parents interested in sending their kids to those places because they have to work, the parents do, and also the kids still need some kind of learning. Um, so those are just a few examples here in the Austin area some great examples in there let me ask a slightly meta question in a sense you know we've talked about how solutions journalism can perhaps paint a more complete picture of of uh, an issue or a problem can you say that solutions journalism is working to do that as a solution is solutions journalism the solution to that is what i'm getting at <laughs> 
I don't know if it's for everyone, but it does certainly, it's worked for us. Um, but again, you know, it, it, it's, it was really important to our journalists here who I feel like we have a lot of hard-nosed, critical-minded journalists to really make sure that it wasn't like advocacy and that it wasn't just, uh, you know, feature journalism or anything like that. It was really exploring a problem and a solution that's playing out in our community or another community like ours and being able to tell that more complete picture. It's interesting, Josh, because you obviously spoke at the Solutions Journalism uh, Network event last week where they were celebrating sort of 10,000 stories on their on their tracker. Um, they obviously keep track of all of their Solutions Journalism story. What was revealing is that although it's come a long way, only 300 of those stories were from, from TV news, like 3%. So Solutions Journalism in a TV form is not as widespread as other mediums. Any thought as to why that is? Um, I think that maybe they were just a little later to adopt. And it seems like a lot of the um, pioneers of solutions journalism came from other mediums um, in the beginning. I think that, you know, TV also tends to be a little um, faster and has some limitations that um, print journalism or dig digital journalism might not have. Um, you know, time limits on how many minutes you might get in a newscast, that kind of thing. Um, but I think some of the things that have really helped is showing that there are examples out there of how it can work and how you can kind of still fit it into the mold of TV, but also thinking beyond it as a, a TV station doing um, solutions journalism. It's more of a multi-platform effort. Um, you're going to reach so many more viewers if you think about it beyond just one medium. That's, that's really insightful. And, and I'd love to dig into like, your, your magic formula, as it were. And, and, you, and you touch on it quite aptly that tv is you know quite punchy and precise with with its deliverables when you put a solutions journalism lens what does it change with the with the structure with the production with the with the narrative or or anything else from a storytelling perspective instead of thinking about telling a story about the entire topic and um the, the whole problem and then adding the solution in there if you can figure out a way to focus your package, your story on just that solution and boil it down to what this one group is doing that's working or not working, um, that's a way to really make a TV solutions journalism story effective. You don't have to re-explain education equity to me. You don't have to re-explain the pandemic to me. Those are things you can easily get through with the anchor intro. And by now, you know, your viewers are understanding this project's out there. So like, we don't need to re-explain it all that time. So there's ways that you can save a lot of time and focus just on what's important to the solutions aspect of it. I think also the parts that I always want to hit home that the journalists need to keep in mind when they're putting these stories together is, yes, let's move beyond the problem and beyond the solution even and start looking at those limitations and the way that they're measuring the success. And if you have those four elements in it, problem, solution, limitation, measurement, then you are able to hopefully get through a TV story pretty quickly. For this project specifically, um, we are challenging our journalists to tell a story in two to three minutes, which might sound like a small amount for some people for a special report, but it's also a large amount of time for people who are used to doing daily turns that might be a minute to a minute 15. Oh, really? So you think like two minutes is actually, that's got some wiggle room in it for you then? 
Oh, definitely. I mean, you talk to most general assignment reporters in any American TV newsroom, and um, they're pretty much told, you know, minute 15 is, is the goal, and that's where we're going to have to stick to. So the fact that we're able to do two to three minutes is a lot of time for some stations. And we didn't do that just because we want to, you know, be limiting or anything like that. We realized that the shorter stories work for many TV markets. And that's what um, the viewers have gotten used to. And and there's a reason for that. So we knew that if we had really long stories that might be five, five, six, seven minutes, that many TV stations may not be able to air those things. I mean, when you look at a solutions journalism story online, it's, it's very long form. It, it's usually quite long. How does a two minute package give you enough time to drill not just into the solutions but as you said like the rigorous part the caveats the limits like is it specifically divided up like you get this much portion of that of this bulletin or like I really want to get quite tangible right now and, and talk about how you how you split it up and how you manage to make it work yeah I don't think that it's you know there's no hard and fast rules for it what I've found with this project specifically is that you know, many of these solutions are, are playing out right now, wherever they're at, because the school year has just started here. So like, we're just now getting to see certain solutions in these communities be launched and they have plans for a measurement for success. So there may not be a lot to elaborate on as far as, you know, like quantitative data on some of these things. I always encourage spending the most time in a story, no matter what type of story it is, on the people most directly affected. And that's what's going to make me as a viewer care about this solutions journalism story a lot more. If I understand what this student is going through, what I understand what this family is going through. So that's what I always, um, you know, preach with the journalists that are um, working on these stories as well. Um, and I'm not going to lie, it takes a, you know, a lot of editing sometimes because solutions journalism isn't something that like everyone gets right away. Most first drafts of the very first solutions journalism story you tell are going to feel a little bit different than what you're used to. And so what I really appreciate about the collaboration going on between all these stations and all these journalists working with these stations on this project is when they start sending me, you know, questions about what to include in the script or first drafts of script, they're very open to that feedback and understanding because they want these stories to shine as well. Do you have to be quite harsh with the editing then in terms of like what you protect and what you might leave on the on the floor? <laughs> no, and I'm I'm very clear with them up front that we're so appreciative that they are taking part in this project and that I do not want to take the reins of their story at all. Um, I don't want to tell them how to tell their story or or be the boss of anything. I just want to be there as a guide, someone who has gone through the solutions journalism project in the past and someone who, you know, is used to working on a project that might be a big collaborative effort. I want to be their resource and help them get to the best version of their story that they want to tell as possible. Um, that being said, you know, I do want to also make sure that those uh, important aspects of a solutions journalism story are apparent because that's what's going to make this project unique and stand out from other stories that might be tackling this topic and this problem. And and what are they? What are the crucial parts that sort of must be in there that you do have to protect and make sure are covered? Yeah, I mean, the thing that I see most often whenever, um, you know, a first draft of a script comes back is that they get what the problem is and they get that there is a solution that's being highlighted um, but 
the aspects that sometimes need a little bit more developing are taking that critical analysis of that solution, poking holes in that group's uh, solution, if you will, um, looking at the limitations of that solution, and then finding out how that group is going to measure the success of that solution. And those are things that are easily added once we have that conversation, but um, that's the part that's different about solutions journalism that I think takes just a little bit of time for many people to get. So where exactly does the station want to take solutions journalism then? It's, it's going to be a really important couple of months, of course, in the US. You've got the election in, in November. Is, is a solutions approach going to be likely for your coverage there at all? Yeah, I mean, I think it doesn't have to be on a giant project like this. It just happens that we've done several big projects that um, solutions journalism has worked um, for. But I think there are aspects of solutions journalism that you can um, implement into your daily coverage, whether that be the election or crime or, you know, any kind of breaking news. It just takes a little bit um, more forward thinking sometimes. And what's really interesting is in the last year and a half since our newsroom has been trained in solutions journalism is that you often hear about it in our daily editorial meetings that, hey, that sounds like a solutions story. Or maybe while that person's taking, you know, a general assignment look at it, I could take a solutions approach to it. So we'll have two stories or a different angle on it. Um, so I think that it's exciting to see that uh, the journalists in our newsroom are thinking kind of outside the box that way. And it's definitely... Um, change the way that they're telling stories, I think. I love this idea that you've got your sort of editorial meetings and someone's just got their little antenna on to say, oh, that could be a that could be a solution story. I like that because then it's it's just the natural part of your news coverage then. It's just that having that awareness and that receptiveness to put the spin on it. Uh, Josh, this has been a total pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today and all your insights. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Great to speak to Josh about that project and some really interesting thoughts there. My main takeaway is just those four key areas Josh talked about. Problem, solution, limitation, and measurement. Whatever the time constraints of your medium are, solutions journalism is possible so long as you cover those four bases and really lock in that human angle too. And again, if you want to see for yourself what that looks like, head over to Vimeo and search Pandemic Pass or Fail. And if you like what you heard today, you can find all our other podcast episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. If you'd like to feature on the podcast, then I'd love to hear from you. Drop me an email on jacob at journalism.co.uk. But that's all we have time for. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.